And as I re read the story and prepared, it reminded me that, Kevin, this is you. I am looking at what I'm not capable of doing and not what I am capable of. Hey, beautiful people. Welcome back to Sundays with the Gathering. I'm Hannah Hunter, the Director of Digital Reach here at the Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. This week, Brother Kevin Peck brings us a message for the new year. So as I was introduced by Pastor Mike, my name is Kevin Peck. And as was told to him by his mentor, and he told me as my mentor, I am just one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. So the previous times I've had the opportunity to stand in front of you, Pastor Mike was either on vacation or studying. And you got out, you got off the hook by getting out early. So now we're going to have to make up time because the principal is in the class. <laughs> no, it's a serious business. So we just finished Christmas season, which is, can be very fanatic and, um, you know, worrying about gifts and you, all that comes with Christmas. And then we had a couple days to Husan, you know, we relaxed a little bit. Now we're getting back to thinking it's the New Year's and, you know, what comes with New Year's. A lot of us, we tend to look back, we want to look forward. Some of us are anxious. Some of us are making great plans. We're going to exercise more. We're going to eat better. We're going to, you know, be more in touch with family. We're going to be better husbands, wives, partners, you know, all that. All that comes with the New Year. But in all of that, I just want to let us know that there's one thing that we must include. And none of that is bad. None of that is bad. You know, none of exercising, eating right, all that is good stuff. But there's one thing we must include. And that is we must include our covenant. A covenant that God has called us to. I want to share with you a quote about the, it's a quote about mirrors on a car. And I love this quote. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because where we are going is more important than where we have been. I'm going to repeat. The windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror because where we are going is more important than where we have been. So as we talk about covenant, we must be reminded that as a church, we're called to a covenant. As, as, as the body of Christ, we're called to a covenant. But as individuals, we're also called to a covenant. What is that covenant? Jeremiah puts it best in Jeremiah chapter 31, and we're going to look at verses 31 through to 34. Jeremiah 31 Verses 31 through to 34. And I'm reading from the NIV. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, 
though I was a husband to them. This is the new covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. You see, this covenant was not just for Israel and Judah. This covenant was for the Gentiles. The covenant was no longer on tablets. The covenant will be placed in their hearts, in our hearts. As I, as I read this over and I, I wanted to hear the words, what was this saying to me? And what I got from that is, just imagine if we took the covenant, if we took the covenant here, it's in this Bible, and place it on our hearts. If we made these words living within our soul, what kind of world, what kind of gathering place would it be? What kind of community would we have? What kind of world would we have? What kind of workplace would we have? When we face trials, those words would be there to comfort. When we're anxious, those words would be there. When we are worried about our kids' future, those words, they're all in here. Only if we have these words. When someone cut us off, when, when we're driving on the road and a, a bad driver cut us off, would we take an action that is not Christ-like if these words, if this covenant was written on our hearts? That is what I get from this. And it really, it, it, it spoke to me because now I have to figure out how am I going to get these words, this covenant that he's talking about. Jeremiah is saying he will no longer write it on tablets. Why? Because tablets were broken, Right? A fire can destroy a book. Right? I don't know if you've ever seen someone who's lost a house, right? And they lost all, everything, right? Everything is lost. But if you write it on your hearts, if you write it on your hearts, if it becomes alive in you, if you're living the covenant, then you don't have to worry about it getting lost or stolen, Right? It becomes a part of you. So that, that is what it, it's, it's saying to me. And that is what I'm, I'm asking you to, to read it. Or to, if, to today, right now, dig deep within yourself. And for 2024, how am I going to make this covenant that Jeremiah spoke about? This covenant right here, this good book of the good news. How am I going to make it? Remember, it's called good news, right? And I was sharing a story with a friend of mine the other day, and I was like, um, they were talking about some news, and I said, bad news travels fast. Good news. If we're here in church today and something bad is happening outside, right, we would hear about it immediately. But if something is good, you probably don't hear for, for a while. So this is called good news for a reason. And if good news, if we have this good news written on our hearts, 
then our actions will be different. Our behavior will be different. The words that we speak will be different. When we talk about New Year, or when we talk about renewal, right? We, we use the New Year as a, as a time to renew, right? So it's called New Year, time for renewal, right? We could, we could renew anytime, right? We could, we could renew in the middle of, of June, right? In the summer, we could, we could have a renewal during that time. But for, there's something about the New Year that gets us thinking, Right? It, it gets our minds churning about all the things that we want to do. Right? When we look back, all the things that we didn't do well in 2023, you know, we're going to do all this thing. This, so now is a good time. Right? If we're trying to, to do all these things in 2024 to enhance our lives, right? this is a good time to also renew with God's word. With renewal also comes responsibility, right? When you, right, renewal also comes with responsibility. If I decide that, you know, I'm going to run three times a week, I've been trying to do that for the last 10 years probably. If I decide I'm going to run three times a week, I first have to, I have to get up, right? I have to have my running shoes. I have to have my running gears ready. If I wake up in the morning and those are not ready, then, you know, I'm not motivated, right? So, here comes, here comes the fun part, your call to action. Let us look a little bit into Matthew chapter 25, and let's look at how God is calling us into action. You see, in Matthew 25, there is three parables. Right? I know those of us who have been in church a long time, or even that we tend to have heard a little bit about these parables. You have the parable of the ten bridesmaids, you have the parable of the loaned money. And you have the parable of the final judgment. So we're going to hone in first on Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30. But I'm going to move it along and start at verse 21. Matthew 25. We're going to read from verse 21 through to verse 30. Hear these words. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. The master said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more 
and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, these, these are harsh words. In our world today, or in our minds, if we were in this story, imagine working and, you know, your boss gives you, give one person a bigger raise than you, right? And, you know, we get all upset and, you know, we want to file a grievance because we do the same task. But remember, to whom much is given, much is expected, okay? To whom much is given, much is expected. And it's not about what we're given. It's about what we do with what we're given. It doesn't matter what your position is here at the gathering place. The harvest is plenty and the reapers are few. When it comes to harvesting, we all have the same responsibility. There's a level playing field. Look around us. The harvest is ripe right here in Palm Beach Gardens, in Palm Beach County, and extending out. We are so concerned about our position, our title, or what we're given. If, when we look at the story of the, the talents or, or, or the money, the one who was given one talent, he was timid. And as I re- read the story and prepared, it reminded me that, Kevin, this is you. I am looking at what I'm not capable of doing and not what I am capable of. If I take my talent, if I take what I have been given and multiply that, then that will permeate and that will, others will catch that fire. You see, when I read this, it, it hit me, hit me flush on the chin. And I was given a knockout punch because I was convicted. I see myself as the one with the one talent who's trying to hide that talent. You know, when I was growing up, they used to sing the song, um, if you hide it under a bushel, right? Then that song, you know, hide it under a bushel, put it on top, right? Why should I hide my talent? Why should I, why should I be the one who feels like I'm not capable, I'm not good enough? But I'm good enough because to whom much is given, much is expected. If God is truly our master, we must be willing, we must obey willingly our time, abilities, money aren't ours in the first place. We are caretakers, not owners. When we ignore, squander, or abuse what we're given, we are rebellious and deserve punishment. That is what I, that, that is what I wrote when, 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 when this hit me so hard and, and this conviction came upon me from these words. This is what I wrote. My money, my abilities, they're not mine. I'm just merely a caretaker. 
And if I squander, ignore, or abuse what I'm given, then I'm rebellious and deserve punishment. Harsh words. Very harsh words. We're going to move on in Matthew as we continue to be challenged. We continue to be challenged of how we're going to make how we're going to make this covenant alive and how are we going to put it into practice from these words in Matthew. We're going to move on to Matthew 25 and verse 40 through 46. Hear these words. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You see, you see the correlation? You see the correlation between the talents and, 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 and here? It's the same thing, right? If you don't take action, then we deserve eternal punishment. Listen to these words. Hunger, thirsty, stranger, needing clothes, and imprisoned. Isn't that sound familiar to you? That sounds familiar to you? Probably not a person, probably not you, but it's familiar, right? We have, our world is filled with hunger. People are thirsty. We have strangers. And no more time than now we have strangers because we say we're, we're the most friendly society. Uh, we have more likes, but we, yet still we're not close. People needing clothes and imprisoned. Brothers and sisters, there is work to do. There's work for me to do and also work for you to do. Some of you know that I collect, I'm a collector of quotations. And I heard this one recently. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. So we're not, going to, we're not going to make a difference. We are not going to make this covenant a reality if we're not willing to put in the work. So we can't talk about success. Everyone wants success. And success looks different for different people. But if, if, if this quotation is anything as it states, then there's work to do. Remember when I just started, I said, the harvest is plenty. But the reapers are few. See, I grew up on a farm, and my great grandfather was a farmer. He had all kind of farm, you know, all kind of crops, and 
you know, and some take longer than some. And I remember when it's time to cut sugar cane and um, we had to go in there and it's usually around this time of year you would see the sugar cane at the top. They have like a little um, blossom or whatever and that's when he would know that it's time, that it's sweet. That's when he would know it's sweet. And we would be out there all day cutting sugar cane. And I would get tired and I would come home and my great-grandmother was a very shortly and she was very, you know, she was, she was a softy, you know. So I have two parts of me. I have the hard nose part and I have the softy part. I think more the softy part, which is, you know, that's so much a good thing. But, you know, I would come home and she would, she would start, she would almost be crying. Oh, he took you out there all day. You know, and she would, you know, make my dinner and, you know, she would want to make sure that I'm okay because I was out in the field all day. But now I realize that there's work, you have to work before the success. So he basically was teaching me a lesson. You work, and then comes the relaxation after. So there's work to do. And you know what our relaxation is, right? Our relaxation is that time when our Savior comes back into the world and relieve, of, relieve us of all this pain and hurt and everything that's going on. But right now, right now, right here, we got to do the work before we get to that place. I want to... As I wrap up this sermon here, showed a video earlier. I didn't mention anything much about it. I watched that video. And yes, the fun and the dancing and all that stuff, but I don't know what you, you took from it. I watched it over and over. But there are some simple things in there. You see a kid with a, a water bottle with some dirt as his microphone. You guys see that? You saw a kid cut out a guitar out of a board. See a kid playing um, music with a drum and stuff like that. Kids, that is a reality, my friends. That's not, that's not fluke. That's not, that's not a fantasy. That is a reality. You see, I grew up in a third world country in a very rural area. And even though that wasn't necessarily my reality because my great-grandfather was a farmer and we lived on acres of land, but I lived with kids. That was a reality. I played with kids. I went to church with kids. I went to school with kids like that. And you see, they're having fun, right? Because that's the reality. They're enjoying life. But outside of that, we see that we have much. And therefore, much is expected of us. There's a world beyond our little bubble here and our fantasy that we are called to action. I was going to sing for you, but if I sing, I would, uh, I would end up on the Grammy next month as, uh, for non-singing, for not, for not the best vocalist. There's a reggae artist called Grams Morgan. He's a part of um, a family of, um, of singers. They call him the, Morgan, the uh, Morgan Heritage. And he wrote this beautiful song. Um, you know, next time I have the praise team, play it for you but it's called people like you. And I just want you to listen to these words. Even a reggae artist gets it. Even a reggae artist gets it. We call ourselves Christians. We should get it too. If you give a little more than you take, if you try to fix more than you break, if you're the kind who takes the time to help a stranger in the rain, there's a place for people like you. If you stand up for those down on their knees and lend a voice 
who cannot speak. If you shine a little light and give sight to the ones who've lost their way, there's a place for people like you. If you walk around with your heart on your sleeve, and if you try to be the change you want to see, if you laid down your life for love so someone could be saved, there's a place for people like you. You are out there. You, 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 you. All of you. All of us. So keep doing what you do. But for the new year, let's double our efforts. Pray for me as I continue to pray for you. Amen. Hey, beautiful people. This is Hannah Hunter. I'm the director of Digital Reach here at The Gathering Place in Palm Beach Gardens. Thank you for joining us this week. We love getting to share our journey in Christ and community with you. And if you're in the Palm Beach area, we'd love to get to connect with you in person at our Sunday worship service at 10 a.m. For more information about our community and faith, check out our website at thegatheringplacefl.org. Thanks for listening.